Tuesday, July 17th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool 1, Jason Moser, from Motley Fool Options, Jim Gillies, and from Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Mager. Man, it's a packed house in here. It's crowded. We're loaded. <laughs> we are loaded for bear. That's good, because we got a lot on our plate today. We have earnings from Coca-Cola, Goldman Sachs, and Mattel, but we will begin with the story of the day. For the fifth time in five years, gentlemen, Yahoo has a new CEO. Google executive Marissa Mayer has been tapped to run the $19 billion tech company. She was employee number 20 at Google and Google's first female engineer. Joe, I should point out, uh, as of this taping, shares of Yahoo down ever so slightly this morning. Mm. Uh, so so a tepid reaction to the news that Marissa Mayer is going to be the new CEO. What, what do you think? I think it's a good move. When Carol Bartz got shoved out the door kicking and screaming and emailing, um, <laughs> I wondered why Yahoo's first move wouldn't be for Marissa Mayer, because she's a seasoned Valley veteran. Uh, she's been around to Google for a long time, employee number 20. She's very experienced with both search and moving a business beyond search into different products that are sticky and usable. Uh, has a lot of great insights, has cachet. She's a total darling in the Silicon Valley scene. And she's basically reached the top at Google in terms of where she's going to go. There's nowhere else to move up at Google right now. And with all those things going for it, it was just to me, a question of why wouldn't you go after her? So when she didn't pop up there initially, I was kind of surprised. But I'm not surprised to see that she's there now. Jason, what do you think? Yeah, I hope this has some staying power, because I do think this is something that Yahoo needs. And I know that Yahoo probably gets a lot of bad press, and probably deservedly so here the past couple of years with their CEO shuffle. Uh, but it's you know it's still ranked among the top 15 most popular websites, as, as far as most visited websites. Uh, number three... Uh, with about 500 million estimated uh, unique monthly users versus Google, which is at 900 million. Now, there's obviously quite a disparity there, but it's not like Yahoo is irrelevant. And so I think bringing in talent like this from Google uh, hopefully can give them a chance to, to get a little bit more focused and really keep people in that universe. Jim? I love the move. Uh, I think I'm on Joe's side, certainly. with uh, This is a, a fantastic move. I did like him referring to her as a darling. Um, but uh, you know, I I, I keep on it's getting a reminded. Southern thing. I know, I know. Uh, I I get uh, the, I, I keep on having Warren Buffett's words about you know the reputation of the person going up against the reputation of the business out of my head, and I'm thinking you know I mean she's she's a rock star, and but we'll see. Yahoo has a, a few more issues. She certainly seems someone who is not afraid of challenges, and um, you know she's done very well at Google, like Joe says. She's pretty much done where she could go there and obviously not content to rest on her laurels. And she's taking on a, a heck of a challenge and good luck to her. Not afraid yeah. of challenges. She's going to be a CEO and have a baby. I was yeah. going to say, yes. <laughs> in uh, three months. The, the news also came out that she's pregnant. She's due in October. That's, you know, and, and I no think. No problem. <laughs> uh, she I, can afford good nanny care. I'm I was going to sure. say, I think yeah. uh, Jim and, and Jason and I can speak to the fact that, you know, having your first kid, eh, it's not like it's a big change in your life. <laughs> no. Uh, but I think it does also. You speak, sleep well. Yeah. But I, I think it does speak to how badly. Yahoo wanted her to be CEO, that they knew this, the board knew this, and they still made the offer. She accepted. What, I mean, yeah, we've talked before about Yahoo's challenges. Uh, what does she need to double down on? We've talked about how you look at the Yahoo universe, they've got properties like Yahoo Finance and Yahoo Sports that are very popular. There's a lot of engagement. Does she need to essentially double down on those and sort of like start cutting other parts of the business? What, you know, what? 
Not that she should be taking advice from the likes of us, but let, let's give her advice anyway, Joe. More you... Motley Fool articles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what should she be looking to do? I do think, kidding aside, that more original content would be a plus. They have a ton of eyeballs, but they're slowly losing those eyeballs to sites that have original content. Now, I'm not talking about financial content because they have great partners who already handle that for them. <laughs> but I think that's something they should consider for main page kind of material, stuff that's more you know broadly consumed. Jason? Yeah, I agree totally. I mean, advertising is going to continue to be their their bread and butter as far as revenue goes, but they need to do whatever they can to keep people in that universe, to get them on Yahoo and stay there, whether it's on the financial page or the sports page or the entertainment page. And so I think, you know, the more talent they can recruit into those areas, uh, the more compelling content they can develop and, and the better their chances of keeping people on the site. Yeah, and I think uh, to Joe's point, just talking about, you know, more original content, whatever. There's something interesting on the site today. That's a, it's a Tom Hanks some sort of cartoon, like post-apocalyptic cartoon called Electric City or something. The <laughs> first thing that pops up when you look at it, we're like, well, that's kind of neat. It's only available on Yahoo for now, I suppose. It'll be on YouTube in about an hour. But you know, I mean, every I thought, well, this is kind of interesting. It's kind of a you know, like that actually has me interested in going to Yahoo as opposed to like you know, just well, you breeze through because you you find a Motley Fool article or for, for whatever if you want. I'm yeah. sure. And I think they made the right move of going with a product person like Mayer with that experience mm. of having worked on different products at Google instead of another advertising exec, which I think would have just led them deeper down the same hole they're already on. One thing they shouldn't do is develop a social network. You, you think just, just <laughs> no. skip social altogether? We're covered. Facebook, Google Circles. I mean, if we see something like Yahoo Squares, then we know they jump the shark. Um, if you're Marissa Mayer, a year from now, what defines success? Is it the stock price being up? It's basically, the stock has basically hovered over the last, mostly the last three years in this range of sort of, uh, you know, 15 to $20. Is it the stock price? Is it an acquisition? Um, what do you think success looks like a year from now? I'd like to see them actually clarify what they're doing in the world. Like, what is, what is Yahoo's raison d'etre, if you prefer, you know, and, and, you know, have you defined it? Have you gotten out of, uh, the, you know, the Asian investments with Alibaba and what have you? Have you brought that to a final satisfying conclusion? That kind of thing. Just clarify. Yeah, I agree. I mean, a focus, I mean, the stock price isn't necessarily indicative of how the business is doing because the market has a number of different perspectives. But if we can get a good idea of really where they're trying to go, uh, then I think that really gives a lot of clarity in, in, as to the staying power of, of, of her as a CEO. Joe? I would agree with those things. <laughs> Nothing to add. <laughs> we will move on. Coca-Cola's second quarter profits came in lower than a year ago. Commodity costs rose, and yet results were still better than expected. So, Joe, certainly as a Coca-Cola shareholder, I'm happy about that. What would you make of the quarter? Oh, it was another great quarter, slow and steady. Uh, they had 9% volume growth, and they're still beverages. So, thinking Minute Maid, Honesty, Dasani. And that's really been kind of a growth engine for them, more so than the carbonated beverage space, which is kind of flat, to use a terrible oh. pun. It wasn't supposed to come out that way. <laughs> but that that has been a nice little growth engine for them to supplement the carbonated beverage business. And, you know, they've been doing incredibly well eating Pepsi's lunch. And, you know, they're not going to grow like gangbusters, but they don't need to. Uh, speaking of volume growth, Jason, uh, that did not take place in Europe, where volume no. fell about 4%. Um, how vulnerable is Coca-Cola in Europe? Well, I mean, I think they're vulnerable everywhere. I mean, we, we know that, you know, they're trying to make a big entry into India, for example, to, to help uh, 
you know, give themselves more of a global reach. Uh, the U.S., for example, we know is very uh, saturated in, in a country where 36% of the population is classified as obese. You know, we're certainly going to see them focusing more on healthy beverages like Dasani water or juices or whatnot. And so I think, you know, the goal there in Europe or anywhere is to continue to offer multiple products, whether it be Coke, Diet Coke, Minute Maid, water, whatever. Yeah. Well, Europe's only about, it's sub 20% of Coke's revenue, just for a little perspective. So it's not like a Eurozone disaster mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, you know, uh, you mentioned India. Uh, they, I mean, they killed it in India. I think they were up about 20% for the quarter. Now it's still small, small volume versus North America, say. But I mean, doing really well there. What I found most interesting was, uh, I think it was the Associated Press. Their, uh, the, the press release this morning comes out and they say, you know, Coca-Cola, maker of beverages like Powerade, Dasani, and Minute Maid. I'm like, and Coke, I hear, <laughs> and Diet Coke, <laughs> you know, another like, one. Like, it, but it, but it, I think it it really speaks to the shift. Like, I mean, for years, carbonated beverages have kind of been been stagnant or flat, as Joe likes to say. And <laughs> um, you know, there hasn't been a lot of growth there. And, and very much like Pepsi, they're they're diversifying into these other areas. And you know, because this is what people want. People want their Dasani waters, uh, their waters, and and Powerade and Gatorades and that sort of thing. Gatorades, Pepsi products. Shares of Coca Cola are trading near a fourteen year high. Uh, turn to the value guy. How, how richly valued is this stock? Is it still a buy at this at this point, or is this more if you own it, just stick with it? Own it and stick with it. I wouldn't pick up shares today. It's around twenty times earnings. It's a, a fair price, but not one I'd race out and buy it up. Jason, you agree with that? Yeah, I tend to watch for big hits on Coca-Cola. If they miss earnings or something in the stock tanks on a, on a day when the market sells it off, that's when I'd buy into it. But but typically, it's one that's you're not going to see a lot of chances like that. Goldman Sachs, second quarter profit down 11% thanks to lower revenue from investment banking. Uh, and yet, Joe, earnings still much higher than expected. You You must be happy as can be. Well, I never really talk about Goldman. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever mentioned Goldman before? I've never mentioned it before. Uh, yeah, the metrics that obviously the headline numbers look terrible, but the thing you've got to keep in perspective is that this stock is priced for terrible things. It's at a 23% discount to its tangible book value, which is what would be left over if they sold all their assets in an orderly fashion and uh, paid off all their liabilities. So that's very unusual. Historically, Goldman sold at more than twice tangible book. Today, it's at a discount. So Basically, all you need to happen is Goldman to not blow up and just eking out small profits until we turn a corner with the economy. And that's what happened this quarter. They <laughs> bought back a billion and a half in stock. Uh, they've reduced share count 9% over <laughs> the last year. They keep slimming down the balance sheet incrementally. And, you know, all these changes are for the better. And I think eventually long term investors are going to be nicely rewarded. Do you think Goldman Sachs? does a better job with transparency than other big Wall Street banks? Or are they about on par with everyone else? No. (laughs) I wish I could tell you otherwise. But the conference call is basically the CFO being like, well, you know I'm not going to answer that. But yada, yada. But anyway, I'm not going to answer that. It's like 50 questions in a row where he tells you as little as possible. But in fairness, when you look at what happened with J.P. Morgan and the London uh, London whale blow up, part of the reason (laughs) they got so burned was that other people realized JPM had this huge trade going on and they worked against them. And so, you know, sometimes it's best for these banks to, you know, play their cards in a way where not everyone can see them. I wouldn't mind a little more transparency, but I also respect where they're coming from. Jim, when it comes to Canadian banks, 
Um, hoo hoo. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we've talked about this before yeah. about like Bank of Nova Scotia and yeah. others that that essentially don't don't play the same game that the big Wall Street banks are are doing. Um, when you look at the Canadian banks, I mean, to Joe's point about the valuation of Goldman Sachs mm-hmm. and just how dirt cheap is that fair to say? Filthy, Fil- filthy value, filthy value. Um, What's the valuation like for for the Bank of Nova Scotia and 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 other banks in that space? Uh, well, I haven't looked at the uh, the. <laughs> I know I haven't put, looked at the financials. This I know morning, I'm putting so. you on the spot, but um, if, but if part of your argument is, hey, look, these banks are easier to understand because yeah. they're not engaged in the same game, is part of the calculation. Or, or if they are engaged in the same game, I mean, all the investment banks in Canada are basically held by the big five. So there's no, you don't have the big blowups. They all have these massive deposit bases. They, you know, they're all engaged in, you know, banking across the spectrum. Um, last time I checked, uh, most of the big Canadian banks, Royal Bank uh, was fallen a little bit recently, but they're all about 4, 4% dividend yields. They're all trading, I think, about 10, 12 earnings. Uh, 12, 12, 10 times earnings. Um, they're all a little bit above their tangible book value. They're not as cheap as Goldman. I'm actually on side with Joe. I actually think Goldman is very cheap. But you know, wow, I I, <laughs> I keep it to myself at the <laughs> more or less. Not anymore. We have dozens of listeners. Uh, <laughs> shares of Mattel up 10 percent this morning after quarterly profits were up 20 percent, way above expectations. Jason Moser. Uh, are you buying a lot of Barbies for your daughters? The market <laughs> likes its toys, and so do my kids. So do your kids, oh, and yeah. so do your kids, right? No, I yes. mean, I think this was uh, this was more a tale of a company that's being run efficiently versus you know big time sales and toys. Revenues quarter over quarter are relatively flat, uh, but they've done a good job in cutting costs around the operations. Uh, they were able to save a little money on input costs as well. Uh, so we saw a 20% improvement in operating profit, about uh, 16, 17% improvement in, in net income, which is all very good. I mean, no one's complaining, uh, not me certainly. I mean, the market's been this thing about 10.5%. But uh, yeah, I don't think it's like the entire world is just going out and buying toys. It's just the company's really doing a good job of, of managing its way through a tough, a th- tough economic cycle right now. We saw the numbers come out yesterday where it was the third consecutive month of, of contraction in retail sales, which hasn't happened since late 2008. Yep. So that doesn't really bode well for whatever kind of recovery we have. And we saw Bernanke saying that the Fed will continue to aid the job situation however they need to, which doesn't instill a lot of confidence in me that we're out of the clear, you know, back back in the clear yet. But I mean, the company's doing well. Uh, I think they need to continue to focus on making that shift towards digital as everybody else does as well. I mean, Barbie dolls can only sell so much. And so they're doing a good job of incorporating digital toys and uh, entertainment and media into the mix too. Uh, Siphoning uh, extra money from the parents' wallet. <laughs> well, it's the iteration of those Barbie CDs, you know, the well, DVDs. Yeah. I, I will just share the uh, the one girl focus group in my home, which is uh, my nine year old daughter, who you know a year or two ago got her first Monster High doll. And and for those who who may not be familiar, Monster. The premise of Monster High is that the classic <laughs> monsters of the world, Frankenstein and and Dracula and the Mummy. Uh, are older and they have teenage kids and they all go to high school together. And what started as just simple like dolls that you buy off the shelf are, have expanded into this, you know, very rich media heavy website, monsterhigh.com, which uh, again my nine year old spends a lot of time on. So, in terms of engagement, 
uh, Mattel's really crushing it when it comes to Monster High. Yeah, and I think you see them doing that with a lot of things. I mean, Barbie is very similar. It's not just a doll anymore. It's not just the doll and the Ken and the, and the race car. I mean, they're doing a good job selling the dolls and the houses, but then selling the movies and making lots of new movies and adding the website. And now they're they're uh, introducing a new uh, style of Barbie for a little bit of an older girl, like somewhere in the preteen area. Uh, so that, along with the things like Monster High, along with the relationships that this company has with companies like Nickelodeon, Walt Disney, DreamWorks Animation, it brings them more into not just a toy company, but an entertainment company. Jim, you're just sitting there with a smile on your face. I'm, I'm amazed at how much about Barbie Joe, or Joe, <laughs> not the Joe that Jason knows. I've so. got two daughters. So uh, you know, it's just yeah, my, mine's a little young for it. Barbie yet. So oh, just just wait, man. Uh, just wait. We're, we're market foolery three years from now, you're going to be a Barbie expert. And it sounds like I get to look forward to the Monster High. Uh, <laughs> American Girl is right down the pipe too. So. Um, that doesn't play in Canada. <laughs> Maybe they need to develop Canadian Girl. Canadian Girl. Um, one thing on the stock, when you when you look at Mattel uh, stacking it up next to Hasbro, I mean, if you're a Hasbro shareholder, is this necessarily a, a sign of good things to come, or is this just contained to Mattel in its own little universe? Well, I think overall it's a good sign for Hasbro. The toy market in general, the global toy market, is about an $85 billion market, so it's not insignificant, and that's not all Mattel. If you look at Mattel, it's about an $11 billion company or so compared to Hasbro at a little bit more than $4 billion. Uh, the thing I like about Mattel, it's the largest international toy maker, and, it, and they've, they've established more relationships, uh, so they, they definitely have a larger buyer base, a larger consumer base. And, and so I think that when you look at it from that perspective, Mattel maintains better margins, and uh, overall, I think, with their, with their larger consumer base, has a little, bit more, uh, a, little bit more, a little bit of an edge over Hasbro, so to speak. But, but Hasbro is still in a good spot. Just to wrap up our discussion on Mattel, our producer, Matt Greer, has prepared a, a quiz on Barbie. I don't feel good about this. <laughs> These are multiple choice. Uh, it is multiple okay, choice. Uh, up first, which of the following was not a Barbie? A, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds Barbie. A, B, Grandma Barbie. C, Forever Barbie with Tanner the Pooping Dog. <laughs> or D, it's a trick question and actually all of the above were real Barbies. Jim? I'm going to go all of the above. All they the were above. all Barbies. Jason? Yeah, the Alfred Hitchcock one doesn't sound like it That sounds be. crazy enough to be yeah, true. Yeah, it sounds creepy, but you know, I'm, I'm going to go with Alfred Hitchcock. Okay. Joe? I'm going to go with D. Uh, D is correct. They were all Ooh, actually Barbies, question. and uh, it's it's worth. Uh, I'll send you the photo of the Alfred Hitchcock the birds one. Barbie because it, is it, it is, like is she stuck? She have like in a bird clawing at her eye. She has, she has several birds clawing at her. It's, oh. it's, it's, it's a little sad. Poor Barbie. Uh, Slumber Party Barbie was released in 1965. The doll came with a scale reading 110 pounds and a book entitled <laughs> How to Lose Weight. Wow. What was the book's advice? A exercise. B, dance, or C, don't eat. I'm going to cut the C. <laughs> I know it's C. It's 1965, Jim. I, I'm, just, I'm just a little shocked that, you know, how far we've come. You know, you have that Barbie there versus a Marissa Mayer being named CEO of Yahoo this morning, um, or last night. But uh, I'm going to go with don't eat, yeah. Don't eat, Jason. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with dance. Dance. <laughs> it is a slumber party. Joe, you're I'm saying don't eat. I it's think that's eat. the way people yeah. solve wow. weight problems. All right. Back yeah. then. In 1965, wow. yeah, that's your that's, advice to girls. That's yeah. uh, appalling. And finally, uh, Barbie. That doll is probably single handedly responsible for more therapy bills than. <laughs> uh. It's entirely possible. Uh, finally, Barbie has had a number of careers. Which of the following jobs has Barbie not had? 
A, McDonald's cashier, <laughs> B, stockbroker, or C, Canadian Mountie? Oh, wow. <laughs> Jim Gillies, what do you say? C- Canada's own Jim Gillies. McDonald's cashier, stockbroker, Canadian Mountie. I I don't ever remember seeing a Canadian uh, Mountie in uh, in my uh, sister's Barbie collection, so we'll go with Canadian Mountie. I could actually see her in that Canadian Mountie thing, so I'm going to go with stockbroker. Joe? I'm going to go McDonald's. Uh, Jason's right. It's stockbroker. He avoids the goose egg. Jim Gillies, when did you become so anti-Canada that you didn't think that the the Barbie could be a Canadian Mountie? I I didn't say she couldn't be. (laughs) Well, as an American citizen, perhaps she couldn't. But anyway. That's that's the appeal of Barbie. She could could do anything. anything. Apparently not stockbroker. Not yet. That's probably an idea. Maybe after this podcast, you know. Okay. Exactly. CEO Barbie. That's coming. Uh, Jim Gillies, Jason Moser, Joe Maker. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank Thank you. you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Mac Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.